You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. My name is Rachel. I'm the kids director. I've been on staff for six years. Um, I always take an opportunity to show pictures of my cute kids. So I have a photo of our family from just Easter. So um, my husband, Josh, we've been married, we'll be married for seven years in May. And then um, I am holding Wells. He is two. He is scary. Um, and, and then in the middle is our oldest Crosby and he is four and a half. The half is really important to him right now. And then um, Josh is holding our baby girl Jovi and that's not a great photo of her so I have another one because you guys got to see her cute little face. Oh I love her so much. Ah, yeah she's awesome. But yes, so that is my family. I am excited to get to be here. Thank you guys for letting me speak to you. And thank you for letting me start this Women in the Bible series. What a great way to start after Easter. Um, Well, I know when it comes to male and female, that can sometimes be a bit of a controversial topic. But I'm excited for us to get to dive in. And as you continue on this series, getting to dive in at what it looks like in the Bible and who these women are in the Bible and what that means for everyone. And just some things that I know are true is one, that God loves both men and women a lot. Two, we, both men and women, were made in the image of God. We are the Imago Day, And so there is parts of God that get displayed through us and through his creation, and that's so cool. And three is that when God did create women, it's described as he had created Eve, that we are, the Hebrew word, and I'm sorry if I do not pronounce it right, is azar, and that means helper. And before you, everyone's like, helper, I don't like that word, I get it. In our context, when we think helper, we think of servant. We think of someone less, maybe someone who can't have leadership or someone who can't have original thoughts. But that same word is used multiple times in the Old Testament to describe God and how God is a helper to his, to the people. And so it's not that women are now equal to God. It's just that the same qualities that God has for the desire to help and lead and strengthen his people, he is also given to women and are calling women to this specific role as well, which is really exciting. And so we are going to, as you guys are looking through this series, the women that are highlighted in the Bible are women who show that amazing characteristic, and you'll get to see the diversity of how that plays out within individuals. So with Ruth, she is going to be a helper in relationship to her mother-in-law. She is going to be bold in the way that she helps and serves her, and she is going to take risks. As you continue on in this series, you're going to see that women use this ability to help and care and protect and love in so many different ways. So today we are going to be talking about Ruth and also Naomi, her mother-in-law, and it's an amazing story that's going to teach us a lot of different things. One, it's going to highlight the importance of relationship and community in our lives, and that's not just for girls or for women, that is for everyone, the importance of community and relationship. It's also going to look at how when we are affected by tragedy, how there is safety in God in that, and how we can rely and know that we are safe with God in our tragedy. And it's also going to see that God's going to weave a plan through our lives, 
and that he is going to have people in our lives come aside and partner with him in that plan. And how can we be used in that plan and how can we allow people to help us in our times of need? So very excited to dig in. We are going to just kind of, unfortunately, it's four chapters. It's a short book, but there's still a lot of context in there and there's a lot that we can't get through. So I encourage you this next week to read Ruth. It's an amazing story. I'm going to pick out just little pieces from each, from throughout the whole story so we can get a kind of a wide angle lens view of it, but I really encourage you to look through it all. Um, but before we start really getting into the context and what happens in the story, has anyone, raise a hand, has anyone seen the movie A Walk to Remember? Yes. Okay. Everyone who raised their hand is old. <laughs> I love it. If you haven't seen A Walk to Remember, guys, it's early 2000s. It's Mandy Moore in her early days. It is the saddest movie I have ever seen. Like, if you are ready, if you're like, I'd like to get bummed out, you should watch this movie. Because, like, 45 minutes in... You find out, I won't spoil it because now you guys are all super interested in seeing it, but 45 minutes in, you're going to find out a fact about the main character and it is done. The whole, I cry from 45 minutes to the end of the movie. Anytime I watch it, it, they just pile on more and you're just like, I can't imagine how anything could be more sad. Now, I'm sure you guys can think of a movie like that. Like, you can think of what's your sad movie. And I don't watch a lot of sad movies, so I'm sure there are sadder movies than A Walk to Remember. I'm just not going to watch them, because my husband cut me off from Grey's Anatomy, because <laughs> I would watch Grey's Anatomy, and then he'd come home, and he'd be like, hey, and I'd be like, hi. <laughs> He's like, what happened? I'm like, mm, plane crash. <laughs> And then I'd mope around for like a day and he's like, we're done. We're at no more Grey's Anatomy. You are too emotionally invested. You cannot do this. And so now I'm more of like an HGTV girl myself. I cannot handle it. But all of that to be said, a walk to remember your saddest movie that you can think of. The story of Ruth and Naomi is sad. It's really sad. It's hard to read, because as you th really think about what that means for Naomi, what her life is like now, it's just sad and it's hard. So the story of Naomi starts in they are living in Bethlehem, her husband, her two sons, and there is famine in the land, and so they're going to move to Moab. And while they're in Moab, they are, her two sons are going to marry Moabite women. And that really means nothing to us. But in that context, it means a lot. Because at that time, the Israelite people, which were the people that Naomi was a part of, were in the promised land, the land God had given them. And they were in, the Israelite people were in this cycle where they would be following God and everything would be okay. And then they would decide to do things their own way. And they would stray from what God's told them. And then a consequence or something would happen. And God had warned them, if you're not following me, these things can happen. And so they do happen. And then the Israelite people cry out and ask for someone to help them. And God would send a judge or someone to come and rescue them. And then the cycle would start over. 
just this constant being on a good page, not being on a good page. It was a mess. So when we hear that there's famine in the land of Israel, we can assume that we are on the down of the cycle and that something has happened and they are now in distance with God. They had been disobedient and a natural consequence had happened. And in this case, it was a famine. And then the fam- this family is going to leave the promised land to go to Moab. And that is one of the most shameful things they could have done. They were forfeiting their land. They were abandoning their people. And they were moving to a land that was their known enemies. And so then, for the sons to marry women from that land was just continuing to heap on the shame. What they would have done would have been unbelievable to the people back at home in Israel. They wouldn't have wanted to be in connection with these people anymore. And so they left and they forfeited it all. And then we read just, we're in the first four verses of Ruth. The third or fourth verse, it's going to say that Naomi's husband dies and then both of her sons die. And I, when I'm reading the Bible, I can sometimes catch myself that short verses I read through quickly and forget to consider the weight of them. Because in one verse, you're going to see Naomi's husband died and her sons died. And now we're moving on to the rest of the story. But wow, the impact. Your husband dies. Your two sons die on a human level. That is horrible. That is so painful. That is awful. And then on a cultural level, it adds a whole nother thing because now she's a widow. And in that time, being a widow is dangerous. She now no longer has rights to own land. She has no one to provide or protect for her because had it not, once it's no longer your father, which we don't hear anything about her father, we know she's older, so we'd assume he's maybe died. If it's not your father, it's your husband. If it's not your husband, it's your son. And she has now lost all of those. She has nothing. She's in a foreign land. And she has two women, Moabite women, as her only family. And so we're going to see what her plan is, what she's going to do. And we're going to kind of piece together in Ruth 1. We're going to look at verses 6 through 10. And then I'm going to jump to 14 through 17. So when Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughter-in-laws prepared to return home from there. With her two daughter-in-laws, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and me. And then we're going to jump. She's going to explain more why she thinks she should leave. They should leave her in those in between. The synopsis is she can't have any more kids. It's not worth it for them to stick with her because she can't provide them any sons. At this, they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. And as Naomi's heading home, 
with her two daughter-in-laws, she has a change of heart. And she decides that she has to send them back. And it's really unclear why she chose to do that. I've been doing a lot of research and reading a lot of commentators about why she would do this. And there's a lot of different theories. And some people think that maybe it was just out of the kindness of her own heart. Like she understood the danger that was ahead of them as being foreign women in Israel. She knew that the best way to provide for them would be for them to go back home and remarry Moabite men. Another thinks that it could have something to do with, as she's heading in, her shame is already so great. She's heading back to the land that she had abandoned with absolutely nothing. And she knows, I can't bring back these two women. They are in danger. They're going to put me in danger. And so maybe it's that she just wants them to get out of here for her own good. And another one that's interesting, because I think we can all relate to it, is that we know that Naomi is in great pain, that she is, has a severe loss, and she is dealing with all of this trauma. And I think as people, we often, when we're in those situations, start pushing people away. We believe that pain is handled best alone, that it's easier to figure it out ourselves, it's easier not to talk about it, just keep it a secret, and just start pushing people away. That loneliness is sometimes the easiest way to deal with our pain. And while it doesn't say that in the text, I think we can all relate to that on a human level, where she's walking, she had planned to go with her daughter-in-laws, and then she stops, and she says, no, go. And in the, the scripture that we didn't read, she is pleading with them, like, just go, it's better for you, you don't want to be around me. And I think that's so common for us. When we're in pain, when we're in trauma, we say, no, go, you don't want to be around me. But Ruth doesn't listen. She is just the epitome of loyalty in that situation. She says, no, where you go, I will go. Where your people will be my people, your God, my God. She's willing to risk everything. She's willing to leave her family. She's willing to do whatever she can for Naomi. And what an example of love and care. And we have to believe that, wow, Naomi must be an amazing person. Naomi must be doing something awesome. But we don't see that. They don't say it. We can assume it. But what we do see is that Ruth is willing to do whatever she can to be there and support Naomi. And we also see that within this story, just these first verses, that God is starting to weave a plan for Naomi and for Ruth. And Ruth is going to help partner in that plan that God has for Naomi. Because in verse 6, we see that Naomi heard all the way from in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of people. And so God is calling Naomi back home, and I think that's true for us, that God is going to start calling us back home even when we're in these times of trauma. So I want us for the rest of this message to look at how is God going to interact in this story, what is his plan, what is he doing, and how is Ruth also helping, and how do, what do we learn about that and how we can help people from what Ruth is doing. So... Point one is that God calls his people home and we travel with them. So God's plan is to call all of his people back home. Our plan as people who want to be like Ruth is we're going to travel with those people as they go. And so in situations that are really traumatic or hard or stressful or anxiety, all of those things, when we're having a hard moment, our natural tendency is to 
push back from God or to ask why. Why, God? So my husband, this is the silliest example, but my husband, he'd be so mad if he knew I was telling you this story, um, is an amazing sleeper, like the best. He can fall asleep in an instant. Like we turn our light off at night and he's just, how is this possible? We went on a 12-hour road trip to Washington and he slept in the back of a van for 11 hours. I could never. I am the worst sleeper. I am up for hours at a time, like just laying awake all night. And this was even before kids. I've just never been a good sleeper. He's always been the best sleeper. So before kids, because now kids make it, you just never sleep with kids. But before kids, there was a night when Josh couldn't fall asleep. He was maybe up, and I am serious. He told me he was maybe up for 20 minutes in the night and he could not fall back asleep. And he said his first thought was, why have you forsaken me, God? (laughs) I'm like over there like, hour four of being awake and 20 minutes of no sleep, and he's like crying out to the Lord, why would you do this to your servant whom you love, this tragedy of not sleeping for 20 minutes? But that's our first response. Like, bad things happen. We're like, why, God? Why would you do that? Why are you abandoning me? Why are you leaving me like this? And God is saying, I'm not, and I'm going to immediately call you back home. And as people that maybe have a Naomi in our life, someone who's struggling, our job, our honor, our privilege is just to walk with them in that. Because Tragedy, trauma, all of that is better in relationship and in community. And that's what God's calling us to. It's the opposite of what we would think. But being able to share and being able to encourage people as they're walking back to the Lord is one of the greatest things we could do. So God calls his people home. We travel with them. The second part of this is so now they are back in Bethlehem. They have nothing They're not sure what they're going to do. So we're going to read from Ruth 2, 1 through 3. So now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elamic, that is her husband's name, whose name was Boaz. And And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone who has eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in the field belonging to Boaz, who was, the, who was of the clan of Elamic. So, kind of interesting how they sandwich it in there. Like, I'm going to tell you the same, I'm going to tell you this about the Boaz. Ruth's going to go to work. I'm going to tell you the same thing about Boaz. But it's important because in that time, there was a law, a command called the guardian redeemer. So if someone was widowed, and there was a lot of ways that the guardian redeemer could step in in multiple situations, but one of them is if a woman was widowed, someone in her family, the closest relative, could become the guardian redeemer and marry the woman take ownership of the land, do whatever they need to, to care for this woman. And so God is setting up, God's plan is for Boaz to become the guardian redeemer by marrying Ruth and entering this family. 
And so we see in this interesting arrangement of verses, he's going to, God's going to, intro, or the verses will introduce Boaz, and then they're going to show us what Ruth is doing at that moment. And at that moment, the first thing she does for Naomi is she starts serving and working. She starts figuring out how she can best support them, and she gets to work. And God's going to work in that, work in her willingness to work and serve Naomi, and she, he is going to introduce Boaz into her life, and Boaz will become the guardian redeemer of the family. And so what we see is that, point two, God has a plan, and we partner in it with him. So Ruth didn't just wait. She didn't just stay idle. She, she too was involved in this tragedy. It was her husband who died as well. But she does not wait around. She picks up and she starts working. She starts providing. And this is just a really practical way for us to help people who are hurting, is figuring out how best we can serve them. What can we do to bless them? And God's going to use that in his plan. We don't have to know God's plan beforehand on how best to help people. We can just start helping people now. And I saw this a lot when I had, with each baby, I experienced different levels of postpartum depression and anxiety. And with my third, it was by far the worst. I was not sleeping, which come to find out, sleep is helpful to your body. That is science. <laughs> sleep is helpful to your body. When you don't sleep a ton, which happens when you have babies, um, you start to, scientifically, the term is lose your mind. <laughs> you, I was so anxious, constantly. I f just constantly felt nauseous and sick and on pins and needles, I would lay in bed in the morning and not even kind of want to get up. I would just dread the days, and even more so, I would dread the nights. And they were hard, hard days. And I had the most amazing people surround me in that time. The most amazing embodiments of Ruth, as we're thinking about it in this, in this story. If I was Naomi, I had Ruths that would come around me. I had a friend who would text me every single week. How are you doing? What can I do? Can I take one of your kids for you so you can nap? And she would, and a couple times she would just come take my children for me so that I could take a nap. I had other friends who would check up on me and be like, just come to my house and make me meet and help like make lunch for my kids because I couldn't do it. And just those little practical steps brought me back to life. And it wasn't something profound. They weren't preaching at me. They weren't telling me it was going to be okay. And they... Nothing. They just were serving. And as people who are surrounded by people who are struggling, that is one of the most, that's one of the easiest and biggest ways to bless people, is just to start working and just to start serving them. And finally, we are going to look at what happens at the end of this story. So I'm going to jump a lot, but what, what you miss in the in-between is that Ruth is going to continue to serve and work and help provide for Naomi. 
her interaction, she's going to start interacting with Boaz. They're going to realize that she, he could be the guardian redeemer. And Ruth is going to, in this very risky and also very weird moment that I encourage you all to read on your own time and maybe listen to listen about it to someone who's studied it more. Um, Ruth is going to lay at the feet of Bo- Boaz, which is culturally what you would do to present yourself to the guardian redeemer, but she's going to lay at the feet of Boaz and he's going to realize that he can become the guardian redeemer. He's going to check with all the other, other relatives and then he is going to marry Ruth and him and Ruth are going to have a son. And so we're going to read what it says in Ruth 4.14 and this is from the women of Bethlehem saying this to Naomi. The woman said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will, rene- he will renew your life and sustain you in old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given birth, given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed, and he was father of Jesse, the father of David. So we see, one, that be through Ruth, through Boaz, that Naomi is restored. She has a son. Culturally, now she has people to provide for her. But even more so, what Ruth has done, I love what it says. It says, your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons. And that's big in the cultural cultural, um, relevance because to have seven sons would mean you're set. You're always going to have someone to provide for you. But what Ruth has done is better than having that provision because Ruth has brought Naomi back to the Lord. Ruth has brought Naomi home. She has brought a provider. She has brought him this new life and this new hope. And so we see that as just really practically, wow, Ruth has helped Naomi so much. But we also see from a very global side and from a big picture, this last verse, it says, they named him Obed and he was father of Jesse, the father of David. And what we know by reading that is Obed, father of Jesse, father of David. David had a covenant with God that Jesus would come from his lineage. And so it is through David, through Jesse, through Obed, through Ruth that we have received Jesus. And Ruth is going to be on Matthew's genealogy of of Jesus and is going to be one of three women who is going to appear on that, which is a big deal. And what we see is that Ruth has her loyalty, her kindness, her serving has had a huge impact. We often just want pain to stop. We just want quick solutions. And we don't realize that maybe some of the pain we're going through, the people we're in relationship with, can have a huge impact on all of the people around us, on the world. Because it is through Ruth that we have Jesus. It is a line that God chose, the story of these humble people, these loyal people, that he has decided to have his son Jesus come from. And now we get to see Jesus being the fulfillment, being the answer, being the perfect example of all the things Ruth was. Because it's through Jesus that we go home to God. 
It's only through Jesus that that's possible. It's through Jesus' partnering with God in his story and plans that we even have life. And it's through Jesus and his restoration that we get to be fully restored. It's because of his life, death, and resurrection that we're restored. So we see in our point three that God will restore his people and we get to share in that. So through Jesus, we have fullness and restoration. And we see that through Ruth and her willingness to care and be, for, be there with Naomi, that we now all get to share in, in her family line in Jesus. And so I just want to encourage you guys that there is going to be times in your life where you will be Naomi, where things will be hard and things will be really challenging and you will feel There will be tragedies, there will be anxieties, there will be depression, there will be times when we feel like we need to push. We're asking God why we're pushing away. But there's also going to be times that you will have a Naomi in your life and you get to be Ruth and you get to walk with people as they go home to God. We get to be just practically caring and supporting and serving others. And we get to share in the restoration that we all experience in Jesus. And so I just encourage you to have open eyes for those people. And if you are one of those people right now in this moment, if you're feeling like Naomi, that your story is hard and challenging, do not be afraid of community. God has created us for community. He's created us to care for one another. So let's pray real fast. God, we just thank you so much for this night. We just thank you for the story of Ruth. And we just thank you that you have just given us practical ways that we can help others, that we can just choose loyalty. We can choose service. And we can choose to share in the restoration that we we have been given through Jesus, God. And so we just pray for eyes that would be open to the people who are hurting in this world and that you would just inspire us and fill us with your spirit so that we could act on their behalf. And God, if there's people in this room right now who are feeling like Naomi and they are just struggling so much, we pray that you wouldn't Feel you would push away the feelings of isolation, that you would not let the enemy tell them that this is better done alone, God, because that is a lie. It's everything is better in community and in relationship with others. Allow them to let people speak into their lives. Allow them to let people serve them, God. And we just pray that you would help restore their hearts. God, we just thank you in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.